morning and welcome to worship on this fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you that are joining us on our radio broadcast or through our OSL podcast or on our YouTube channel. However you have found us this morning, we are glad to have you as part of our worshiping community this morning. I want to also extend a special welcome to Jean Enyart, who sang, My Song is Love Unknown, as the prelude, Jean. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for being here. And we get to hear her again a little bit later in the service. We are so delighted that you made time in your schedule to come and share your musical gifts with us this morning. Thank you. I invite all of you now to light a candle and to gather some bread and some wine or juice for the celebration of Holy Communion just a little bit later in our worship service. We begin this morning with confession and God's word of love, grace, and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love is everlasting, whose faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Amen. Trusting in the mercy of God, we join in a prayer of confession. Let us pray. Reconciling God, we confess that we do not trust your abundance and we deny your presence in our lives. We place our hope in ourselves and rely on our own efforts. We fail to believe that you provide enough for all. We abuse your good creation for our own benefit. We fear difference and do not welcome others as you have welcomed us. We sin in thought, word, and deed. By your grace, forgive us. Through your love, renew us. And in your spirit, lead us so that we may live and serve you in newness of life. Amen. Beloved of God, by the radical abundance of divine mercy, we have peace with God through Christ Jesus, through whom we have obtained grace upon grace, and our sins are forgiven. Let us live now in hope, for hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Amen. We sing together our gathering hymn, To Be Your Presence, number 546.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. We sing together our hymn of praise. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you direct our lives by your grace, and your words of justice and mercy reshape the world. Mold us into a people who welcome your word and serve one another. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Our worship continues now as we join Pastor Heather for a kid's story time. Good morning, OSL kids and adults, and welcome to this special story time as we read again from my book, Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints. Today, we meet the unconventional saint, Pastor Megan Rohr. We begin that story at a moment of celebration back in 2010 at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in San Francisco. As a joyful energy moves through the congregation on a Sunday morning, that day was a day of celebration and justice when seven LGBTQ Lutheran pastors, LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, seven LGBTQ Lutheran pastors would officially be welcomed back to the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the largest Lutheran denomination in the United States. Our Savior's Lutheran is a member congregation of the ELCA, by the way. Prior to 2009, openly LGBTQ pastors were not allowed to serve as pastors, although several congregations did defy those rules because they didn't believe they were right or fair. One of the pastors being officially welcomed back in that special service was Megan Rohr, the first openly transgender pastor to be ordained in the ELCA. Megan's smile brightened the whole room on that day when finally the ministry of LGBTQ people was honored and recognized in the ELCA. But Megan did not get to that place in her life without struggle. Born in 1980 in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, into a religious family Megan calls that area of the country the cultural heartland of Lutherans and, said, and says that people are generally taught to fit in and not make news about anything. But Megan didn't fit in. First, Megan came out as lesbian and then later as transgender. As you can imagine, Megan says, South Dakota is not the most fun place to figure out that you're trans. Megan was bullied in their Lutheran college for being lesbian. People would write Bible verses about how it would be better if I had drowned in the ocean than tell anyone else that being gay was okay, Megan says. By the way, Megan prefers the gender neutral pronouns of they, them, rather than he, him, or she, her. 
because they identify with both the male and female aspects of themselves, but English doesn't currently have a pronoun for that. Most people might leave religion altogether when made to feel so unsafe and unwelcome, but not Megan. As I became more queer, I also became more faithful, Megan says. In fact, the religious intolerance actually motivated them to go to graduate school to become a pastor. The amount of religious abuse that people spoke near me and around me was enough to make me want to study theology, Megan says. I did a lot of studying and I ended up becoming a pastor just to vocalize what I knew in my gut was okay. In 2014, Grace Lutheran Church in San Francisco called Megan to be their pastor. The church has grown since Megan became their pastor and Megan brings new energy to what used to be an old and declining congregation. To Megan, being together in church is part of what helps us remember what Jesus said is most important, love. Church is where we repeat through word and song and embodiment God's unshakable love for us and our neighbor. But each week we forget, so each week we try to remember again. In addition to pastoring, Megan has spearheaded many programs to shelter, feed, and help people who are homeless in San Francisco. Megan has helped grow thousands of pounds of fruits and vegetables in community gardens to share with hungry people, made countless sandwiches to give out, led a choir for homeless people, and worked with other local pastors to be on the streets at night when homeless people might need a listening ear or some warm socks. Helping others is just part of who Megan is. I've just always been the kind of person where if your life is going to fall apart, it's going to fall apart while you're standing next to me so I can help you put it back together, Megan says. What helps remind you of God's unshakable love for you and for your neighbor? I hope being part of worship every week is a reminder. Maybe every prayer you pray at night or before a meal, maybe when you've made a mistake and you've messed up and someone forgives you or you forgive someone else. May you today be reminded through our song and scripture and prayer, that you are a beloved child of God, just as you are. And so is your friend and your neighbor and that person you have a really hard time liking or understanding. May you see more clearly to the people that God is sending you to, to remind them of their belovedness. Thanks for listening today. Our worship now continues with our first reading. Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4 and 15 through 18. Your love, O Lord, forever will I sing. From age to age, my mouth will proclaim your faithfulness. For I am persuaded that your steadfast love is established forever. You have set your faithfulness firmly in the heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn an oath to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and preserve your throne for all generations. Happy are the people who know the festal shout. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your presence. They rejoice daily in your name. They are jubilant in your righteousness. For you are the glory of their strength, and by your favor our might is exalted. Truly, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. We join together in singing our gospel acclamation. When Jesus sends his disciples out as missionaries, he warns them of the likely persecution and hardships they will face. But he also encourages them to be willingly dependent upon those they meet. 
willingly expectant that they will learn and grow and be changed by those who welcome them. They, in fact, will be served as much as they will be servants. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, Jesus says, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, as many of you may know, I am Augusti. What is Augusti? For those of you who don't know, no, it is not a designation for someone who is long-winded. And really, that description only fits me when it comes to leaving voicemail messages. I simply cannot leave a short voicemail message. But no, Augusti is not someone who is verbose necessarily. Augusti is a graduate of Gustavus Adolphus College. I am Augusti, and I currently serve on the Board of Trustees for the college, a meaningful, ongoing connection to a place and a community I love. And in truth, I am a pastor today because of Gustavus, because of the discernment and support and encouragement and challenges I experienced there. It was at Gustavus that I discovered a whole new direction for my life. I originally went to college to study physics and math, and that's what I did. But along the way, I kept getting distracted from my original goals, distracted by religion courses, distracted by new ways of thinking about the world, the Bible, other religions, my own faith tradition. Gustavus broadened my mind and perspective in so many ways which really cramped my style, quite honestly, my clearly laid plans for my life. It was so annoying to continually be confronted with vocational discernment, with professors of religion asking, might you be considering seminary? By the way, I hope everyone has the same opportunity to be equally annoyed with the chance to discern how God is calling you to use your gifts, the chance to be prodded and nudged by the Holy Spirit as you discover how best to make your life count. That's the slogan for Gustavus, make your life count. Which means, of course, so much more than just finding a successful career. Make your life count conjures up the more of abundant life and faith and discipleship that Jesus so often talks about. As the writer Frederick Buechner puts it, the aim for each of us is to find the place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Make your life count by using your unique gifts and passions in and for the world. I know that I could have pursued many different career paths that could have served my community and the world well through a path of math and physics too, but for me, To make my life count meant something different than what I had planned. And here I am, recording a sermon some 25 years later. Jesus puts it this way today in our gospel. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water will not lose their reward. Jesus paints a picture for us this morning of discipleship. One little cup of cold water at a time. What are the gifts and resources you have? Whatever they are, they become what you are called to share in the world. Our gospel today follows on the heels of some pretty heavy stuff, actually. If you were watching or listening to Pastor Sarah's sermon last Sunday, you know that's true. Jesus was just telling his disciples, whoever loves father or mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. For those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. This discipleship stuff can be hard work. It's demanding. It's all-encompassing. Discipleship is not just one of many hobbies on our list of life interests. Discipleship is the defining identity through which all of our other roles, relationships, passions, dreams, experiences flow and find meaning. In the message translation of the Bible, Eugene Peterson translates Jesus' words in our gospel like this. It is a large work I've called you to, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. A true apprentice. I love that. Being an apprentice suggests that years of learning are involved, years of becoming. Being an apprentice also means there's someone we're learning from. There is someone or someones to lead us and encourage us. As an apprentice, we step into this whole discipleship thing, one little cup of cold water at a time. One little cup of cold water at a time. Discipleship is not about transforming the world single-handedly, but rather about learning a kind of love for the world that transforms us. Welcome, 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 Jesus says in our gospel. Six times in three short verses, we are welcomed into apprenticeship, discipleship, and we are called to welcome others. Hospitality in biblical times was understood to be the act of receiving a stranger. Not just a guest who might come and go, but a stranger, somebody we don't know, somebody who needs our help, our support, who might need food, drink, shelter, protection even. Extending hospitality to the stranger, i.e. foreigner or outsider, is a moral imperative, an expectation of people of faith that runs throughout the Bible. The Israelites were a people who knew homelessness, their roots, were as nomads seeking a new home. Giving and receiving hospitality was integral to their identity. Jesus stretches this traditional view of hospitality even further in our gospel today by calling our attention to the prophet, the righteous person, and the little ones. Prophets were not always welcomed guests. They spoke words of judgment and called for repentance for change. A righteous person, likewise, might call a community to accountability, to more fully follow God's commands, to reform. And little ones were not just children. They were all those who lived on the margins of society. They were the outcasts, the overlooked, the poor, the sick, the powerless. The prophet, the righteous person, the little ones. When we welcome such as these, Jesus says, we step forward into our discipleship. When we risk a little of ourselves, our securities, our accepted ways of doing things, we open ourselves up to the work of God, to God's spirit among us. One of the really interesting lessons in the New Testament about hospitality comes in one little word, the Greek word for stranger. This little word also happens to be the word for guest and host. The same Greek word translates as stranger, guest, and host. This one word signals a profound truth that at the heart of true hospitality, there is mutuality. No one is strange except in relation to someone else. And when what is strange becomes better understood, it remains strange no longer. When there is mutual respect and honor, transformation happens. It happens again and again when Jesus eats with people in the Bible. Whenever Jesus is welcomed, he enacts a greater welcome to everyone else too. 
Think of Jesus' closing words in Matthew's gospel. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Just as you did to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Or words from Hebrews. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Welcome, 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 Jesus says. Welcome. With all of your gifts, with all of your resources, with all that is you. What a great way to make your life count. In closing, I want to tell you about Inga. I know I have told you about her before, but I want to tell you again. Inga was one of the first parishioners I came to know in my first call, in my first days as an ordained pastor. Inga always made me feel so welcome. She was warm and supportive and encouraging. I was the first female pastor in that congregation some 20 years ago now. And to many, I was the foreigner, the stranger, the strange one in a real sense. In coming to know Inga better over the years, I learned something interesting. Inga had been opposed to the idea of a female pastor. Years later, when she shared this with me, she also shared why she was so welcoming. She said that she had long ago learned that her discomfort was often just a sign that she needed to learn more. And over the years, she said that coming to know and understand me as pastor was like an old veil being lifted. Here's the thing. Inga welcomed me in spite of her fear, in spite of her reservation, in spite of what she had grown up being taught and believing. Inga embodied hospitality, radical hospitality, because she trusted that God was at work even if she was uncertain. And the veil was lifted. She was changed. I was changed in knowing her. Fear is almost always the obstacle to hospitality. Fear of the other, their ideas, their lifestyle, their culture, their values. And maybe sometimes that fear is justified. But when we can move ourselves to enact a kind of hospitality that reflects the gospel that has welcomed us, we open up space for God to be at work, for God to transform us from the inside out. I think when Jesus says, welcome, 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 he is calling us to try to open up some space to let God in, in order to stretch us, to lift a veil, to open our eyes, our hearts, for empathy, compassion, for deeper understanding and true wisdom. As disciples, we are called to welcome with one little cup of cold water at a time, which can really change someone's life, maybe even ours. Amen. We sing now together our hymn of the day, Where Cross the Crowded Ways of Life, hymn number 719, and we sing verses 1, 4, 5, and 6.
Together we confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Called into unity with one another and the whole creation, let us pray for our shared world. God of companionship, encourage our relationships with our sisters and brothers in Christ, bless our conversations, shape our shared future, and give us hearts eager to join in a festal shout of praise. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. God of abundance, you make your creation thrive and grow to provide all that we need. Inspire us to care for our environment and be attuned to where the earth is crying out. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. God of mercy, your grace is poured out for all. Inspire authorities, judges, and politicians to act with compassion and to seek true justice. Help us to see how systems of oppression work and give us the courage to dismantle them. Heal the wounds of racial division and lead our whole country and the whole world towards better racial equality and opportunity. Teach us to overcome fear with hope, meet hate with love, and welcome one another as we would welcome you. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. God of care, accompany all who are in deepest need. Comfort those who are sick, lonely, or abandoned. Especially we remember Linda Mercer, Jane Barr's sister, Lucille Whittier, Carolyn Barnhart, Steve Knutson, Marilyn Lee, and Lynn LaVenture and Sue Pittman, friends of Sherry Nero. Strengthen those who are in prison or awaiting trial. Renew the spirits of all who call upon you. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. God of community, we give thanks for this congregation. Give us passion to embrace your mission and the vision to recognize where you are leading us. Teach us how to live more faithfully with each other. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. God of love, you gather in your embrace all who have died. Keep us steadfast in your faith and renew our trust in your promise. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Receive these prayers, O oh God, and those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you at this time to share a sign of God's peace with one another as we share a sign here and as we send our love and peace to you. At this time, I invite you to reflect on the gifts that God has given to you, your time, your talent, your financial resources, and on the ways in which God is calling you to use those gifts for the sake of our shared ministry here at OSL and in our broader community. We welcome your offerings to OSL. Your donations make the ministry that we do together possible. You are invited to send your offering to our church office or to use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com. Thank you for your continued support of the work that we do together. 
We sing now our offertory, Let the Vineyards Be Fruitful. us pray. God of goodness and life, all creation is yours and your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. Water and word, wine and bread, these are signs of your abundant grace. Nourish us through these gifts that we might proclaim your steadfast love in our community and in our world. Through Jesus Christ, our strength and our song, we pray. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. This is a meal of welcome. It is a meal that connects us together, even from afar, as the body of Christ in and for the world. This is a meal that reminds us of our belovedness, May you be filled with the presence of Christ, and may love overflow, pour out in and through your living. As you celebrate Holy Communion wherever you are, receive the bread. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ, given and shed for you. As you celebrate Holy Communion, we welcome Jean Enyard to share special music once again with us. She will be singing Lord of the Small. Thank you. 
The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. God of welcome and grace, in this meal we have feasted on your goodness and have been united by your presence among us. Empower us now to go forth, sustained by these gifts, so that we may share your passionate, fierce, and neighborly love with all, through Jesus Christ, the giver of abundant life. Amen. As you go now into the rest of this day that God has given you, go with these words of promise and blessing. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God the Creator, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit the Comforter bless you and keep you in eternal love. Amen. I have a couple of announcements that I would like to share with you this morning. The first is, again, a thank you to Jean Enyart for being with us here this morning and for sharing your beautiful gift of music with us. I also would, at this time, like to invite you to a couple of opportunities to gather. You are invited to join me on Wednesday mornings via Zoom to start your day midweek with God's word and a time for prayer. Matins begins at 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, but we gather at 8.45 for a little time of fellowship. If you are interested in joining us for that service of morning prayer, send me an email and I'll make sure that you can get connected via Zoom. This afternoon, I will be hosting a Zoom movie discussion on the movie Just Mercy. If you've had a chance to watch the movie and be a part of that discussion, send me an email and I'll send you a link to that Zoom movie discussion. Again, we're meeting this afternoon, Sunday at 1 p.m. I also invite you to pick up a copy of the book, Waking Up White by Debbie Irving, and to read that over the course of the next month. And then on Sunday, July 26th at 1 p.m., we'll gather either virtually or maybe in person for a book discussion on that book. If you want more information, you can contact me. Finally, I remind you that if you have a prayer concern or if you would wish to visit with one of our parish nurses or one of the pastors, please reach out to us. We are here for you during this time. And you can find all of our contact information on our website at oslme.com. We sing now together our sending hymn, Lord, speak to us that we may speak, number 676.
Go now in peace. Christ is with you. Thanks be to God.